0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another interview here at the Crypto Hedge Fund Summit. It has been an absolute whirlwind. We've been joined by some amazing guests and we got another hot one coming at you. We got Kenny Estes, who is from uh, Diffuse Funds and he's the founder and the CEO. Kenny, welcome to the Hedge Fund Summit. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. Longtime listener, first time caller. Appreciate it. <laughs> love it. Uh, no, we're excited to dive into Diffuse Funds. Uh, you also run a podcast yourself. Uh, so we'll talk about where viewers uh, can go and, and follow up and listen to more good stuff from you. But let's kind of zoom out. Um, I want to learn about Diffuse Funds. What kind of fund is it? Um, and what are you guys doing over there?
1: Yeah, no, thanks for asking. Um, so we are, our main product is Diffuse Digital 30, which is an index fund. Mm-hmm. So top 30 Digital assets, where it's holding spot, and it's it's market cop, cap weighted. Um, it is the exact same methodology that you do use for the S&P 500. Uh, the difference is we do it for 30 cryptocurrencies instead of 500 stocks. And we rebalance, meaning we change what's in the portfolio once a month. But the key thing is it's- Did you passive, say once a quarter? Once a month. Once a month. Once a month. A month. So the s p 500 is once a quarter but crypto moves a lot faster than uh, a lot of the stocks do so we do it once a month uh for the for cryptocurrency uh so it is designed to be a simple way for you to get um, exposure to the larger cryptocurrency market Um, we can talk about it if you want to i like bitcoin i like ethereum you need to have them in your portfolio Um, I also like a lot of the innovation that's happening not in those top two. And people are so hyper-focused on just those top two. We wanted... A product, they got you exposure to the larger crypto universe in a very easy way, and we spent all of the brain damage, or we, we incurred a lot of brain damage, <laughs> to uh, work with the work with Finra, uh, the the regulator, to actually get this thing publicly listed. So that came through uh, a few months back. So we are a publicly listed cryptocurrency index fund.
0: Wow. So so to me, you know, hearing that. It's almost like uh, everybody's been waiting on this Bitcoin ETF, but it sounds like what you guys have made is, is, you know, it's got spot Bitcoin in it. And if it's market cap weighted, that probably comprises a little bit, sure. of maybe 50% of this index fund. Hang on, hold well on. And <laughs> taking a sip. Um, and so I am, I am curious, um, you know, where can people kind of find this fund and, um, you know, invest in it?
1: Yep. Um, so right now uh, we're working through kind of some, some administrative compliance type things. So you can't, we're not in the, we're working towards where you can, you know, go to Robin and go to Charles Schwab. Um, that's not where we are right now. Where we are today is people who come in, they, they invest in it as kind of the private side of the fund, um, meaning that um, you come in, you get the exposure, you're invested in the index from day one, but you are locked up for up to 12 month period. And we are actually offering as an incentive a profit share in the general partner. So mm. the fees for this thing go to the general partner. So the idea is if this thing you know, uh, you know uh, manages to capitalize on a fraction of the potential and the, the market interest, um, that profit share will be, will be valuable in and of itself. But in the interim, you get your cryptocurrency exposure. So the upside is still your upside. Wow.
0: So is that almost like a dividend um, or, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, um, it's it's it is technically a profit share where uh, when it kind of we have profit in a given year, we would indeed just issue that as a once a year distribution to everybody who earned that profit share for the year.
0: Wow, that that sounds awesome. Um, And now, kind of taking a step back, you're you're a former high frequency trader, a venture capitalist, a crypto expert. Um, Of all the different funds, of all the different strategies, you could have started. Mm-hmm. What was, you know, what was kind of the pull or the draw to do it this way? No, that's a great question. Um, honestly, the upside is so unbelievably large, right? Crypto
1: overall, I am super bullish on. I think that we are so early days in where we can go um, and the innovation we're seeing. I You know, I, I kind of hearken it back to if you look at Web2 world, right? Where we are now, we kind of have TCP and HTML, right? We have the baseline infrastructure, but what we don't have are these really cool companies built on top of the infrastructure that are providing real value to customers. Facebook, right? We don't have Google. We don't have these things yet. And they are coming. And I don't claim to know what those are going to look like, but they're absolutely coming down the pipe. Bitcoin and Ethereum are TCP. They are HTML. And it's cool because you can invest in the infrastructure, which you could not do, in Web2. So just overall, the market upside is astronomically large right even if even if we just realize a fraction of the the bitcoin vision of being this global currency right that in and of itself is a million dollar type bitcoin price target right it's very large but this product in particular right if you look at it from a managing a fund we can manage 10 million dollars in notional as easily as we can manage 10 billion dollars in notional, but obviously for everybody who's participating in the profit share, uh, the latter is a little bit more former, or favorable to the former. So it's just really no capacity constraint, right? So it's, it's an incredible amount of upside while actually del- delivering real value back to the end investors because they get the cryptocurrency exposure that they really want and they don't have to think about it. They These are the types of people that, hey, I want crypto three to 4% of my portfolio in crypto which means you probably don't want to go have to create a Coinbase account and do all of this extra legwork and figure out custody and, and
0: things along those lines. So here's a solution that just gives you what you want and you don't have to think about it again. I love it. it it's, it's a set it and forget it done for you thing. And it sounds like you kind of, um, you know, with this, I don't know, it, would you like uh, with this kind of profit sharing thing, is that like a founder's class, like limited time offering kind of thing? Or is that going to be part and parcel to the index fund?
1: yeah, uh, for sure, we're going to do it now. It is really a founders fund or founders class type set up. um at some point when we have a liquid trading market and these people aren't going to be locked up for up to a year, right? Um, then yeah, we're going to sunset that for sure. Yeah. um so yeah because
0: a- it sounds it sounds like one of those two good to be true things. You get your um your crypto market exposure, top thirty, you know, market cap market cap weighted rebalanced every month. And then, Um, also some level of profit sharing um, from the GP. And I imagine the GP is taking a management fee and some kind of uh, performance fee or or what's the fee structure there?
1: Um, Yeah, uh, we try to keep it index fund style pricing. So it's a 2% management fee, um, which actually if you look at what's in the market, that's like below market, which is uh, something you just don't see in traditional finance. And obviously as more competition comes in, we'll have to to revisit those numbers. Um, And then we do... The other One of the other key things we haven't touched on with the product itself is we have the ability to stake and lend conservatively. We're not actually doing any right now because there's so much counterparty risk, but we can actually stake the underlying assets. So the biggest one by far is Ethereum. So that does actually create a little bit of um, revenue for the investors in the fund. So it's not too dissimilar from what BlackRock does um, when they're managing an S&P 500 index, index fund where they, they lend out the securities in the overnight market. Um, that creates interest back to the LP, but then we do a twenty percent revenue share on that. So we keep twenty percent of that interest, and eighty percent goes back to the fund. It's the exact same number that BlackRock uses.
0: Love it. Um, now, if we were kind of get into the weeds a little bit about you know how this fund is managed, um, is this all algorithmically, like you know m- mechanically, what occurs every month, um, mm-hmm. and also where the assets
2: custody.
1: Totally, no. That's a great question. Custody uh, scares me, right? That that keeps me <laughs> up at night uh, for sure. So we 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 only use qualified custodians, meaning U.S. based um, uh, entities with trust licenses, either from a federal entity or, 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 pretty much in all cases, a state. So right now, it's it's uh, it's Coinbase Cold and, and Bitco um are the two. So these are we can see the assets on chain. We can verify if we are there. We have auditors and fund administrators and, you know, all sorts of layers of control to make sure that these are just sitting there
0: mm-hmm.
1: for, you know, 30 days of a month, assuming it's a 31 day a month, the assets just sitting there, right? Pretty much all the time. And then we briefly uh, trade with them. So sweep them out, do a little bit of trading and, and drop them back in. But the actual amount that we we pull out is actually pretty small because the amount that's rebalanced on a given month isn't a huge number because I do it so frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, And as we go and get a little more scale, we'll we'll just keep everything in cold all the time and just work with OTC partners. Um, But the actual trade execution, you're absolutely right. It is formulaic. It is automated. It's, you know, some buddies that I've known for a very long time who have these high frequency trading algorithms. So you actually make a little bit uh, working into the positions to update the portfolio.
0: Wow.
2: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app.
0: Uh, you know, having a having another conversation and learning um a little bit more about how to get involved um on the private side. Um, and I'm sure lots of folks are, are curious about how they can get involved. And we'll get your website here uh, posted up uh, at the end of the interview. um but i want to I want to actually dive into a little bit about your market outlook. I know that you mentioned um you know, obviously, there's astronomical sort of uh, returns that potentially are out there. For crypto, I, I think primarily people are looking at the halving that's coming up in uh, April 2024. People are looking at the BlackRock and the Fidelity spot ETFs, which can drive demand. Um, mm-hmm. How do you kind of foresee maybe the next, you know, three to six months playing out here uh, for a crypto investor who's at the summit right now watching and just waiting to see? Is, is it going to go down? Is it going to go up? Is it going to stay flat? What do, you guys, what do you guys think over at Diffuse?
1: Oh, my um my crystal ball is really crappy, right? Like I have price action, like, oh, here's where I think Bitcoin's gonna be in four minutes. I got, I got no idea, but I love conspiracy theories. So my conspiracy <laughs> And this is, is
0: not financial advice of not course, financial you know, advice, exactly,
1: right? Um, so my best guess of what's going on, because the, the big thing everybody's talking about is the Bitcoin spot ETF, right? So my best guess is Grayscale was coming up on their 10-year anniversary of applying to become a, a Bitcoin spot ETF. Um the SEC had a pending court case and they kind of could see the writing on the wall. So they went to BlackRock and some of these larger institutions and tried to position them as kind of a white knight, right? Someone who's more institutional, someone that they can have more confidence is going to run things in a very above board and institutional grain manner, right? And they said to them, "Hey, you please put in an application for a Bitcoin spot ETF so that when we are forced to approve some of these things, we can do a lot of them. And you are the one that is going to pick up a lot of the AUM and we're going to feel a lot more comfortable with you being in the market. But from a logistical point of view, they couldn't just immediately approve it. So even when it happened, I'm like, they're probably going to sit on that for three to six months. And then they're going to start approving these things um, all in one fell swoop. Because then the optics of, favoritism kind of go down a little bit. Six months, by the way, is December of this year. Uh, So if my theory is correct, we have a Bitcoin spot ETF approval coming imminently, probably by the end of the year, assuming the government doesn't shut down, like big caveat, right? We we don't know (laughs) what's going to happen there because that's going to have a big impact on this. Uh, But my best guess is that we're actually going to have an approval by the end of the year. Now, to your question about what does this mean for cryptocurrency, right? From a technical perspective, a Bitcoin spot ETF is not any better than a Bitcoin futures ETF. A Bitcoin futures ETF tracks this price of Bitcoin by about about 99%. You get pretty dang close to it. Bitcoin spot ETF may be marginally better, but then it's more expensive for custody and all of these things. It really is not going to be much of an impact on how easy it is for people to get crypto or Bitcoin-specific exposure in the Robinhood account. It's just not, or the Interactive Brokers account. But what is going to change is BlackRock, is Larry Fink. Now they have a very strong vested interest to normalize the idea of institutions and serious investors Mm. investing in cryptocurrency, because up to now, they did not have one. But you'll notice Larry Fink is now going on CNBC talking about how Bitcoin is digital gold. And that all happened right after they put in the application. Now, when their marketing and business development resources go in this direction, you're going to see just a complete and utter sentiment shift. And that is going to open an enormous
0: amount of capital.
1: To frame that a little bit, like how big we're talking about, cryptocurrency right now, actually, it's up a little bit. It's a little bit over a trillion dollars, market capitalization, all cryptocurrencies. That is less than half of Apple. One company. <laughs> right? That's crazy. This, <laughs> this is a rounding error in the larger financial services ecosystem, But now, if it becomes the norm, hey, we're going to put three, four or five percent of our portfolio in crypto and we need these solutions, like the impact that that would have on the price of, of Bitcoin and crypto overall is, is, it's probably two orders of magnitude from where
0: we are right now. Wow. I mean, yeah, the future is bright, and and it's it puts that in such a good perspective. Like, you know, there already is that futures ETF, so the spot ETF might have marginally more demand. I know people talk about sometimes there's a little bit of drag on the futures ETF because it costs extra money to roll those contracts out, and there's a little bit of drag. And you know, I, I've seen some conservative estimates that maybe fifty billion dollars will come into the spot ETF over the course of the next five years, which it's a, it's a big amount of money, but it's not, you know, blow your pants off or anything like that, considering Bitcoin's $500 billion. So right. um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think I think you hit the nail on the head there, um, not surprisingly, uh, that, you know, uh, Bitcoin will become more institutionalized. Crypto investing will have less of a, a dark smear on it. Mm. And like you said, Larry Fink Back in 2017, you probably saw he was on CNBC or Fox Business or something saying Bitcoin's just an index for money laundering. And now, like you said, it's it's digital gold and it's a flight mm-hmm. to safety. And all these things are starting to change. And once you get that BlackRock and that fidelity sales army and that biz dev army behind this stuff, it's just gonna send this thing um, in crypto broadly totally bonkers. But I guess my question is um, you know, right now it's just Bitcoin that's kind of getting this ETF discussed, mm-hmm. and we just started to see a little bit of interest uh, in uh, for the ethereum ETF as well. But like you said, there's dozens, hundreds, maybe thousands of other cryptocurrencies that are out there that are also investable quality. So I guess my question is once this ETF kind of comes out and some institutional capital comes into those big two main caps, mm-hmm. is there a future where we kind of get that ever coveted altcoin
1: season? Uh, another
0: ever-coveted uh, uh,
1: ever <laughs> altcoin season? Because we had one. It didn't work out so well, actually. It caused all sorts of issues. But no, I think you're right. <laughs> this, this is my... Uh, I mean, we actually have a trial ongoing right now, kind of some of the fallout around that. Yeah. Uh, Sam <laughs> Bank and
0: Freed, Luna, uh, yeah. all the blowups, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that, first off, um, I've always been a strong proponent of regulation in cryptocurrency right? You need it. Um, people are people, people are greedy. People are going to do greedy things if there's an unregulated marketplace. We saw it with the robber barons. Like, there's a reason that the 1933 Security or the Securities Act came into existence, right? That didn't just poof, right? There was some really bad stuff that happened. And now here, let's go out and protect the end consumer. We need that in cryptocurrency. I think the way we're going about it right now is completely backwards um, and we need to actually like really think through what a framework for regulating cryptocurrency is um, and that's really going to help drive us to the next level so but to your question yeah i absolutely think most of the innovation is not happening at bitcoin or ethereum right now um, personally I, you know bitcoin the potential upside of it becomes a global currency is, is enormous um, from a technical point of view i don't really buy it um, but what determines whether it becomes a global currency Is if people decide it's a global currency, right? You can't be short that position, no matter how much you do or don't buy the underlying narrative. Ethereum is interesting, but like, it's just so expensive to get anything done. Solana, way better, way better. And actually, you've seen a hell of a rally in Solana just over the last week or two, where people are starting to realize like, from a technical point of view, it is superior. But again, back to my earlier point, this is all infrastructure. This is HTML. This is TCP. This is uh, allow you to do cool, interesting stuff and create new business models, which un- create new value for end consumers, right? That's where things get really exciting. And that's where we're going to go. And that's where we're heading. Because at the end of the day, Ethereum, Solana, all of these layer one or layer two blockchains, they are, to use the buzzword, they're two complete right? Which means they are fully functional computers. We have invented a global decentralized computer that anybody can plug in to do and do interesting things. This is why people talk about it as Web3, but we just haven't seen a lot of real world applications just yet outside of weird pockets and financial services.
0: No, I love it. Um, Kenny, while we still have you, I kind of got a closing question. Um, And it's kind of just, you know, a lot of people who are out there watching, they might be new crypto investors or, you know, kind of trying to come into their own. And you're a very seasoned, both investor and a seasoned crypto investor. So I just got to ask, do you have one word of wisdom for anybody who's out there, you know, trying to sharpen their sword and uh, get the best of the markets so that the markets don't get the best of them?
1: Oh, I have like lots of words of wisdom. Oh, let's hear it. They're all, they're all garbage. <laughs> I mean, like they're all opinions. So take them with a grain of salt. Um, but like, this is investing, right? Um, a lot of people, especially in the uh, former alt season, lost sight of that. There's a big difference between gambling and investing. And a lot of what people were doing in in 2020 was gambling. There's no way around that. So if you view this as investing for the potential upside. Keep it simple. Don't try to pick winners. Don't try to time the market, right? Dollar cost averaging. Set a percentage of your portfolio that you want to put into it. If it's say 3%, right? If the market goes up and now it's more than 3%, sell some of your assets so you keep it 3%. This is very simple portfolio allocation type stuff, right? So use just sound investment principles when you go into this space, and you're generally going to come out a lot better. Uh, Also, people have won Nobel Prizes uh, uh, talking about how active versus passive, uh, passive always wins right? People like Eugene Fama at University of Chicago won a Nobel Prize, you know, efficient market hypothesis. Passive is where you want to go. And the way you want to do that is market cap weighted <laughs> with a regular rebalance.
0: And that takes us all the way back to Diffuse Digital Thirty and why you
1: should absolutely have a conversation with us.
0: Love it. And uh, what's the website that people could kind of go punch in right now, open up a new tab or uh, maybe a Twitter handle or anything that you'd like uh, people to kind of come follow? Yeah, best bets
1: is uh, diffusefunds
0: easy peasy all right well kenny uh, thank you so much for joining us uh and we will uh definitely look forward to hearing from you guys again sometime soon
1: rock and or roll thank you for your time mr paul
0: peace